Chapter 2, The Nature of Will. Psychology finds itself confronted by a paradox when it undertakes the consideration of the will. While it is able to indicate clearly the several stages of the activity of will, and also to point out positively the methods whereby the will may be developed and trained, yet when it seeks to indicate the essential nature of will, it finds itself baffled at every turn and in the end, is compelled to content itself with explaining the will by a recital of its activities. The will is elusive. When we think that we have pinned it down for an examination of its essential nature, we find that we have merely laid hold of one of its manifold phases of activity. The will in itself remains free from our confining instruments, defying us to fasten it down even by a satisfactory definition. Compared with the knowledge we have of the fundamental nature of the emotions, the reason, the memory, and the imagination, our knowledge of the essential nature of will is very unsatisfactory. Yet at the same time, we know that we have a will and that we will. And moreover, we know how to train our will and how to develop and unfold its power. We have but to attempt to define the will, even with the aid of the best dictionaries, in order to realize how far beyond all possible definitions of it is our intuitive and direct knowledge of its presence, its powers, its activities. Turning to the dictionaries, we find that will is defined as the power of the mind which enables a person to choose between two courses of action. Also, the actual exercise of the power of choice. And in a secondary meaning, strong wish or inclination desire, or conated feeling. The dictionaries further inform us that the power of choice is the distinctive attribute of will and that the exercise of that power is more properly called volition. Now, this definition is not in accord with the fuller conception of the term will, which most of us entertain. Moreover, it is not in full accord with the teaching of the best modern psychology. Most of us, when we employ the term will, have in mind the exercise of the strong, purposeful, determined power of the ego, or I am I. We know that within ourselves is a strong dynamic force, which when applied with a set of determined purpose, is capable of acting with tremendous force, overcoming obstacles, breaking barriers, and sweeping away opposition. Moreover, the best modern psychology informs us that will always is concerned with action, and that without action, there is no completed process of will. In the present book, we shall consider will as being essentially concerned with action, and as being most characteristically manifested in the mental states which we know as purpose and determination, respectively. All the other phases of will we shall regard as being merely incidental to this phase of purposeful determination, and as contributing to such phase. By following this course, we believe we shall be emphasizing the practical aspect of willpower and that we shall be keeping the inquiry and instruction in the channel promising the greatest benefit to you in the accomplishment of your ends and aims, your ambitions and your hopes. The term purpose mm -hmm. seems to express satisfactorily this understanding and conception of will. 
It is defined as the view, aim, design, intention, determination, resolution, or will to accomplish or reach some particular object. Another definition is that which a person sets before himself as the object to be gained or accomplished, the end or aim which one has in view in any plan, measure, or exertion, and which one intends to do, hence his intention, design, plan, or project. Employed as a verb, the term purpose is defined as to intend, to design, to determine or resolve on anything as an end or object to be gained or accomplished. The term determination in this particular meaning is defined as strength or firmness of mind, firm resolve or resolution and absolute direction to a certain end. In the mental state of purposeful determination and in its resultant action, we have at least a working principle of the phase of willpower with which we are vitally concerned in this book. We shall consider and apply the principles of the other phases of will toward the end of the accomplishment of this purposeful determination phase of willpower. We ask you to fix this principle in your mind and to keep it in view throughout the entire course of this inquiry and instruction. Memorize the term purposeful determination. We have thought it well to present to you at this point a brief and general synopsis of the five stages of will, the stages which each and every process of will manifests as it unfolds into active expression. The more clearly you understand the processes of will, the more clearly will you be able to will. These five stages of will are as follows. One, feeling and emotion. Two, desire and impulse. Three, deliberation and consideration. Four, determination and decision. And five, voluntary expression and action. Here follows a brief description of each of the above stated five stages of will. One, the stage of feeling and emotion. Feeling is defined as the simple, agreeable, or disagreeable side of any mental state. Emotion is the complex of feeling. Feeling is the indispensable element of all emotional states. While feeling in itself is not to be regarded as a phase or aspect of perfected will, yet it is true that feeling is one of the raw materials of will action. Or stating it in another form, all will activities have their roots embedded in the soil of feeling and emotion. This fact is not generally recognized by the average person, but it is one which everyone is forced to admit when he analyzes and examines his will processes. In the category of feeling and emotion, we of course include the moral and religious feelings and emotions, as well as each and every other form or forms of feeling and emotion. It has well been said that the phenomena of the world have value to us only insofar as they affect our feelings. The importance of this is recognized when we realize that all will activities proceed from desire and that desire is but the active aspect or phase of feelings. We will to do only what we desire to do. And we desire to do only what our feelings report as comfortable, satisfying and contenting rather than the opposite. If an object or subject fails to arouse interest and agreeable feelings, if it thus possesses no interest or attraction for us, then we experience no desire or impulse to have or do anything concerning the attainment of that object or subject. If we have no aversion or repulsion, 
also phases of feeling concerning a subject or object, then we experience no desire or impulse to avoid or escape or to get rid of or away from that subject or object. Without agreeable or disagreeable feelings or interests concerning any particular thing, we have no desire or impulse to act in any way concerning or relating to that thing. It has no will value for us in such case. If feeling and emotion were eliminated from our mental being, then all things alike would prove absolutely uninteresting to us. In such case, in the familiar phrase, all things would look alike to us. We should not want any of them, nor should we want to take any action toward attaining any of them. Likewise, we should not dislike any of them, nor should we want to take any action in the direction of escaping, avoiding, or getting away from anything whatsoever. In such case, our will would be so absolutely passive and inert that it might as well be non-existent. Two, the stage of desire and impulse. The essential active element of desire and impulse is that which in psychology is called conation, which is defined as that element of consciousness which shows itself in tendencies, impulses, desires, and acts of volition. It is essentially a mental state of unrest, and it manifests whenever a mental state tends by its nature to develop into something else. Desire is defined as a conative tendency toward that which promises emotional satisfaction and content, or else away from that which threatens emotional dissatisfaction and discontent. Desire has for its object the satisfaction of some form of pleasurable feeling or the escape from some form of painful feeling. This pleasurable feeling or painful feeling, however, may be concerned with either A, immediate, or B, remote events. Likewise, such events may concern either C, the individual himself, or D, others in whom he is interested and to whom he is related by the bonds of affection or sympathy. No matter how complex may be the feelings arousing the conative impulses of desire, their ultimate analysis will show that the basic feeling is that inspired by some promised pleasure or some threatened pain, immediate or remote, direct or indirect, deemed likely to be experienced by the individual. Desire is the connecting link between feeling and will. On one side, it is blended with feeling. On the other side, it blends into will. It depends for existence upon feeling. It depends for expression upon will. Desire always manifests by a more or less definite want or want to, this accompanied by a peculiar feeling of tension or strain known as impulse. The stronger the desire, the stronger is this tension or strain of impulse, this conative urge toward action. Feeling and emotion inspiring desire may manifest on the open plane of consciousness, or again, they may abide more or less concealed in the recesses of the subconscious mentality. Or again, they may exist in the guise of habit. But wherever they exist or abide, or in whatever form or guise they present themselves, they are always feeling an emotion in the stage of transformation into the conative energy of desire and striving to escape and find release in voluntary action of the will. Three, the stage of deliberation and consideration. Deliberation is the act of deliberating or weighing in the mind. 
In this stage, you find yourself confronted with several alternative courses of action or else with the question to do or not to do some particular thing. In each and every instance of deliberation, however, you will find that each alternative course of action will involve certain phases of desire, i.e. certain tendencies to attain or to secure something promising emotional satisfaction and content, or else to escape from and to avoid something threatening emotional dissatisfaction and discontent. These alternative appeals of desire to will present conflicting emotional attractions or repulsions or both. These you weigh one against the other, one set against the other, until finally you strike the balance of decision. In such cases, you will find yourself, figuratively speaking, tasting these several dishes of emotional food, noting the agreeable or disagreeable qualities of each, and endeavoring to decide which promises the greater degree of emotional satisfaction or dissatisfaction, content or discontent. The fact that in the process of deliberation you call upon reason, memory, imagination, and other mental powers or faculties to assist you in your decisions must not cause you to overlook the all-important part played in it by desire. You will find that in the end you have decided upon the course of action which promises you the greatest emotional content and comfort and the least emotional dissatisfaction and discomfort. You have employed reason and its assistant faculties and powers merely to enable you to discover which of the alternatives possesses the greatest promise of ultimate and permanent emotional value along the lines of content and comfort. Your reasons governing your decision concerning will action are always found to be based upon motives of this particular kind. Number four, the stage of determination and decision. Determination in this usage is the act of terminating or bringing to an end the state of decision. In this stage, the processes of deliberation or the weighing of motives is brought to an end and the mind is made up. The old school of psychology held this to be the last and final act of will, its characteristic act. This indeed would be true if we could accept the old definition of will as the faculty which chooses or makes choice. But under the later conceptions and definitions of will in which it is perceived that will is essentially concerned with action, we see the necessity of pursuing our inquiry further. There is a marked difference between the usage of merely making up your mind or of even deciding to act and that of actual performance of the associated action which you have decided to perform. Many a time you have made up your mind and have decided to act only later to fail to act or to carry out your decision. This distinction is illustrated by William James' familiar story of the man making up his mind and deciding to get out of bed on a cold morning when the alarm clock sounded. Frequently, he finds it necessary to make up his mind and to decide several times before he finally expresses the thought in action. In this inquiry and instruction, accordingly, we have taken cognizance of the further phase of determination, which is defined as strength and firmness of mind, firm resolve or resolution, absolute direction to a certain end. In this phase of the stage of determination, you reach the process of purposeful determination. Here, the stage of determination blends into that of voluntary action and becomes one with it. Number five, 
the stage of voluntary expression and action. Voluntary action is defined as the process of acting and moving by willpower. This is the final stage of the will. It is will in full flower. It is toward this end that will has been struggling and striving, which effort has given activity to all the processes of the preceding stages or phases of will. Voluntary action is the very spirit of will. Without the manifestation of voluntary action, the will process is practically incomplete. Determination is the decision to will, or in its more active phases, the resolve or resolution, the purposeful determination to will, or in still more intense manifestation, even the will to will itself. But in voluntary action, we have what has been called will, willing itself in action and manifesting itself as will. Here, the trigger of the will has been pulled by the IMI. Here, the spring of action has been released. Here, the will drives itself into action, sets itself to work. Here, the will not only wills to will, but also actually wills itself into full manifestation and expression. Here, we have the real will. Will expressing its purpose, its determination, and its full power and inner nature. This is the phase of will that so eludes our definition in formal terms because we have no terms other than those of will itself with which to define it. In the previous phases or stages, we could employ the terms of feeling, desire, or reason in striving to indicate the nature of the processes of such stages or phases. But here we have nothing else with which to compare will, for there is nothing else of its kind. Will is unique sui generis, alone in its class, in a class by itself. You cannot hope to apprehend intellectually its essential nature, but you can and do know it and experience it within yourself as the closest instrument, implement, and power of the IMI, the ego, the self. Expression and inhibition. There are two general phases or forms of voluntary action with which you must become acquainted. The first phase or form is that of expression. Here, the will action proceeds in the direction of checking, restraining, keeping back or inhibiting the expression of certain insistent but objectionable mental states seeking to inspire the will to action. Here, the effort is exerted in response to the stronger opposing mental states, which have won in the will conflict during the stage of deliberation and decision. In inhibition, the will is employed for the purpose of binding, locking up, and restraining the activity of the defeated set of desires, which repeatedly present themselves in an attempt to reverse the former decision of the will. Many regard the phase of expression as the characteristic activity of voluntary action. And from one point of view, this is correct. But you should never lose sight of the fact that the man who can and will manifest the plane of inhibition when necessity arises and wisdom dictates such course is nonetheless the man of giant willpower. In fact, the man of the strong will usually accomplishes his great results of expression only after he has manifested inhibition in the direction of refraining from acting upon many very strong impulses and desires which are opposed to his top values of will. In many cases, indeed, 
One employs in inhibition a degree of willpower not less than that required in the process of expression. It often is quite as hard not to do a thing as it is to do a thing. The man of purposeful determination and willpower achieves his distinction very largely by reason of the fact that he is able to hold before his mental vision one ideal or set of ideals, one set of prime motives, one set purpose, one top value, and then resolutely and determinedly, even ruthlessly, to thrust from his region of will all conflicting and opposing tendencies and desires, inclinations and impulses, urges and cravings. In order to accomplish some one great thing, you will often find it necessary not to do many other things which conflict with and oppose that one great thing. In the exercises which form a part of this introduction, you will be asked to manifest this phase of inhibition by willpower. By doing so, you will make progress in the attainment of the giant will. This not necessarily because of any special demerit or evil in the inhibited desires and actions, but simply and solely because by reason of such deliberate and determined action of the will, you may develop will muscle and may learn how to hold fast the fiery steeds of desire which are pulling your chariot of will. The steeds of desire serve well their rightful purposes when they are held well in hand but unrestrained, they frequently run away and end up overturning the chariot and perhaps destroying the driver. Their training consists of alternative stimulation and inhibition, deliberately and determinedly devised and executed. The purpose of the training is that through actual practice and exercise, the fiber of your will shall be made strong and firm, tough and tenacious. By training your desire nature to submit to the control of the will intelligently applied, and by training your will to control intelligently your desire nature, you not only develop the art of efficient voluntary action, but also train the desire nature to exert to the full its wonderful powers, or else to withhold its forces when the object of the purposeful determination is best served by such restraint. Expression and inhibition are the two great levers of your machinery of will. Acquire the art of employing each efficiently and effectively under the guidance and direction of your reason and in the service of your prime motives, your top value, your great ideals.